You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and just hold your place once you're there. We'll come back to the passage in just a short while. Last week, we started a new series. The series is called I Choose, and the premise of the series is um, acknowledging, understanding that life is filled with choices. Life is filled with decisions. In fact, we revealed some research last week that said on any given day, we might make about 35,000 decisions or choices. That's a lot of decisions, choices to make, right? Life is filled with choices. And the reality is, is the choices that we make, make us. Let me say that again. The choices that we make, make us. We are the sum total of the choices that we make every day. In other words, the choices that you and I make today uh, will determine who we become and what we can do tomorrow. Again, we are the sum total of the choices that we make. Last week, the focus of the message as we looked at the story of Moses, looked through the lens of Moses at least, it was an encouragement. It, it was an urging even to choose purpose over the approval of others, to choose purpose over popularity. Um, as we looked at Moses' story, we saw that this was true of Moses. Um, in Hebrews chapter tw- uh, tw- 25, verse so, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, there's not even a half, Hebrews chapter 25, if anybody caught that. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, it says that um, he, ch- uh, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. In other words, Moses was willing to forego all the comfort, all the luxury that came with being raised as a prince in Pharaoh's palace because he had clarity of purpose. He understood what his call was and his call was to lead the Hebrews uh, out of the, uh, the slavery of the Egyptian. Because he had clarity, because he had confidence, he was able to do that regardless of what others might have thought around him. Whether or not he had the approval of others, he was still willing to do it. So Moses chose calling over comfort. He chose what was right over what was wrong. Moses chose purpose over the approval of others. And so with that, you have a bit of review in case you weren't here. You're caught up on what the series is all about last week's message. Now, uh, as I step towards today's message, let me say that as a ministerial student, you're taught that when you begin a message, that you always begin a message with something positive. And we call it our hook. In other words, we're going to cast out something that will capture your attention. It's best when that's positive so that you will engage for the rest of the message. What I want to tell you today is I'm going to veer away from what I've been taught. And I am not going to start this message with something positive. In fact, I want to tell you the three things that I'm going to talk about or we're going to talk about today. And I imagine that as you hear them, you're going to agree with me. Yep, those aren't very positive. So are you ready? Here they are. We're going to talk about pain. That's positive, right? We're going to talk about regret. That's not very positive. And we're going to talk about discipline. Again, you're probably thinking, that doesn't sound all that positive. It's because it's not. But, but it's a reality. And you're thinking, well, can we just go home like you said? No. Hang in. Just let's see what we've got here. Um, So let me begin by just giving you some straight talk about pain. And this is what I'll say. You have already 
And you will continue to experience pain in your life. Again, that's not very positive, is it? You came to church for a feel-good message, and I'm telling you that despite the pain that you've already suffered, you're going to have more. Listen, don't get upset with me. I was not the first to say it, right? Who said it first? Jesus. In John 16, he said, In this world, you will have trouble. Trouble equals pain. In this world, you will have trouble. Now, thankfully, he went on to say, but I have overcome the world. So that's a promise to us that even though we're going to have pain in this life, we have Jesus who will walk with us through the pain, through the power of his Holy Spirit. Um, This morning, as we consider pain, as we do some straight talk about pain, it's good to recognize that while it's true that we will experience pain in this life, Oftentimes, the pain that we experience is outside of our control, for instance. Uh, Pain that would be outside of your control is maybe when someone betrays you. You didn't cause that, you didn't plan it, but there was a betrayal. Uh, Pain that's outside of your control could be uh, when um, uh, someone very close to you passes away. Or uh, pain that's outside of your control is maybe when you lose your job because your company had to downsize because of something called a pandemic. That, that's beyond your control. But there's another reality on the flip side. And, and that reality is in the same way uh, that we have pain that's out of our control, we can also choose our pain. Do you realize that? We can choose our pain. Let me give you some examples. Um, you can choose the pain of living within a budget now, or you can choose the pain of not having an emergency fund when your car breaks down in the future and the repairs are more than you have in your bank account. That's painful. Um, You can experience the pain now of not taking care of your body or... You could experience the pain later of having, um, let me say that you can experience the pain now of taking care of your body or later you can experience the pain that would uh, come with uh, medical problems that may cause you great pain that could be life altering. Here's, here's one more. You could choose the pain of saying no to that hot glazed Krispy Kreme donut now or, I saw somebody go, or you could experience the pain later of trying to remove the donut from your waist. That's suddenly, could you get it? So the, the, we have a choice in our pain. So just to summarize that, we'll all experience pain. Some pain is beyond our control, but we can also choose our pain. We can choose to play now and pay later, or we can choose to pay now and play later. Regardless, we're going to have to choose. And when we choose to pay later, the price always seems to be greater. So that's my straight talk about pain. Let me talk to you a little bit about regret. First, let me ask you, what is regret? Somebody want to just give me an idea. What, how would you define regret? Uh, some, I heard feeling sick about your past. That's, that's pretty good definition, isn't it? Here, let me give you a good working definition. Regret is feeling sorrow, disappointment, distress, or remorse about something that a person wishes could be or could have been 
different. Regret is said to be the second most common emotion. Uh, regret is typically expressed with, I wish I had, I wish I had not, I wish I could. Uh, I, you, you get what I'm saying? It, 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 those are expressions of regret. So with that in mind, what I'd like for you to do is I would like for you to take a moment and consider what are a couple of your uh, largest life's regret. Don't speak them out. We don't want to know that much personal business about you today. Okay, but just in your, in your own mind, determine what are a couple of your largest regrets. And then I want you to hold on to those till the end of the message. So just take a moment. What, is, what are your largest regrets? Hold on to those, like I said, uh, till the end of the message. Grace Blue Rock uh, is a social worker who worked uh, in hospice care for about six years. She explains that as she sat on the bedside of dying men and women who were trying to reconcile, who were trying to make peace with the life that they lived, there were some common regrets that she heard over and over and over again. What might you think some of those regrets would have been? Working too much? Not spending enough time with your kids? Anybody else? Let me tell you. Let me tell you the nine common regrets that she heard. Number one, I wish I had been more loving to the people who mattered most. I wish I had been a better husband, wife, parent, or child. Number three, I wish I had not spent so much time working. Number four, I wish I had, not, I wish I had taken more risks. Number five, I wish I had been happier and enjoyed life more. Number six, I wish I had pursued my dream. Number seven, I wish I had taken better care of myself. Number eight, I wish I could have done more for others. And number nine, I wish I had chosen more meaningful work. Now, I tried to do some research just to find out uh, what are some of the common regrets. And I would agree that as I looked through everything that I could read, these seemed to be the most reoccurring regrets that people had. These, these summarize it well. Um, as I began to personally consider the regrets that other people had, it caused me to begin to think through, well, what are my regrets in life? And as I began to think through regrets in life that I might have, there's something that I realized. And that's while regret is a negative emotion, it can have a very positive effect if we will allow those regrets to reframe how we think so that in the future we'll make better life choices. So regret, which is negative, it can be used for something positive. And um, this is where discipline comes in. So let's talk a little bit about discipline. And I think, again, discipline for most of us is not the most popular uh, topic that we could discuss, but I think it's very necessary. So today, specifically, we want to talk about choosing discipline over regret. So let me ask you, uh, you're helping me a little bit. If you had to give a working definition for regret, what would it be? For, I'm, I'm sorry, for discipline. How would you define discipline? Having self-control? Uh, 
like a course correction? Is there anybody else? Positive practices, okay. Um, discipline is the ability to forego instant gratification and pleasure in favor of greater gain or a more satisfying result. Discipline is the ability to follow a plan despite the temptation to abandon that plan. That hurts, doesn't it? And finally, discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Let me say it. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Now, in that portion of the, the definition, I feel that it needs a little bit of context. Um, I found it interesting that uh, in, in the Greek language, uh, the, the, the Greek word for um, disciple uh, is the same root for the word discipline. Very, very close connection. So I tell you this because we're, as Christ followers, we're disciples. We are followers of Christ. This is important to understand in this message because, listen, this is not a message so that we can master how to get whatever we want as soon as we can. It's something totally different. Instead, when we're talking about discipline, this is a message that helps us understand that what we should want most in life as Christ followers is what Christ wants most for us. That's the perspective. That's the filter that we have to work for. This is not a selfish motivation, but it's submitting myself, surrendering myself to Christ to say, I surrender to you. I am a Christ follower. I want to be a disciple. I am a disciple. I want to become like you. So I need to, I want to understand what is it that you have for me? What is it you want for me most? And then in discipline, I move towards the very same thing. And so with that in mind, it, then we can understand that discipline is really one of the keys to overcoming a life of regrets. Um, the Apostle Paul, in this passage that I had you turn to in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, gives us a clear understanding of how discipline is to work out in our lives. And so I want to read to you 1 Corinthians 9 verses uh, 24 through 27, and then we'll just take just a moment to talk about it. So you're there. You can follow along as I read. It says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last forever, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Um, just to put those verses into context, um, notice how Paul began and he said, do you not know that inner race? So as he's saying that, that's his hook, that's his positive, that's his catch in the beginning because he understood that those who were listening, the believers in Corinth would be very aware uh, of what he was relating that to and it would be the uh, athletic games that were held in the Isthmus of Corinth that would be much like the, Corinthian, uh, the Olympic games. And, and he knew that they would be very aware of the foot races that occurred 
uh, within that race. So he knows if I, I can use this and I can engage their attention so that I can work them towards understanding the necessity of discipline in their own spiritual life, their own spiritual growth, their own spiritual progression. And it's interesting, uh, about midway through, he changes the picture from a runner to a boxer. So what is he saying in these four verses? Well, first of all, Paul makes the point that as Christ followers, our life is a spiritual race. It's really important. It's not just a race. We talk about living the rat race. Well, as Christ followers, our life is a spiritual race. We are continually to be involved in, in the spiritual realm as we walk out and live our life. Living as Christ followers is a whole life effort. We never let up. And as we're running this spiritual race, Paul's saying, you run it in a way to win. Now, in a foot race... There's only one winner, right? Somebody crosses the finish line in their first place. This is not true in the spiritual race that we're running as Christ followers. We're in a, in a, in a foot race. The runners are competing against one another, right? In our Christ follower race, in our spiritual race, we're not competing against one another. Isn't that a great concept to hear in the time that we're living in right now? That as believers, as the church, we are not competing against one another. We're all on the same team, right? So what we're actually competing against in this spiritual race is we're competing against ourselves. We're competing against our own sinful nature, that's what's going on. And so it's with that in mind, the picture that Paul is painting, he's saying that in the same way that these athletes engage in intense physical training, when they were preparing for these races, 10 months ahead, they would go into very strict training where their diet, everything they did changed because they were preparing for the race. Well, ours is not 10 months in advance, but we are continually engaging in the disciplines of living out a life that causes us to win the race in this, this spiritual race. And so we have to be given to discipline. And you think discipline, I don't, I don't like, I'm talking about spiritual disciplines that a Spiritual discipline, it would be so much that we would be so focused on Christ that that's how we think. That's our mindset. It's our filter. And so then we would engage in things like prayer and time in the Word and studying the Word and applying the Word and fasting and times of solitude, a silence, all of those things. Those are the things that help us run the race in a way that we win. Those are disciplines of the spiritual life. In other words, as Christ followers, it requires discipline to run the race correctly in a way to win. Uh, and he's urging the same when he changes the picture to a boxer. He says, in the same way that runners run to win, boxers fight to fight. And then Paul begins to make it very personal. He says, so when I run, I don't run, I don't run without aim. I don't run without purpose. Uh, and then he, in relation to a fighter, he says, I'm not throwing punches into the air. I'm not shadow boxing. This isn't practice. This is the real deal. 
I'm running. I'm fighting in a spiritual race. And I'm doing it because I'm looking towards the prize. You see, when a runner crossed the finish line, he got a crown. And honestly, when I was first reading this, I was thinking, okay, he gets a crown. And I'm thinking of this metal gold piece. You know, maybe it's got some jewels in it. And then I realized that's not the, that's not the kind of crown that they got. They literally got a crown that had been made from greenery. It was placed on their head. That greenery began to die the moment it was pulled from the life of the plant. And soon that beautiful green uh, wreath that was placed on their head would become brown and dry, crunchy. It was going to to die. It wasn't going to last forever. And Paul gives us clarity of purpose in this spiritual race. We're not running just because we're here on earth. This earth is not all that it's about. This is but just a blip on the scale. But instead, we're running because we have eternity in our sight. We realize that there is a greater reward for us, that it's eternal life and it's the fulfillment of all that God has for us where there's no more sorrow, there's no more pain. We're not going through the heartache of life, but we're living in the fullness of the promise of God. And that's what Paul is talking about. And it requires discipline. When we don't run this way, what we find is that we have a life of regrets. Perhaps we find ourselves on our deathbed with someone listening to our regrets and saying, I wish I had tried to be more like Christ. I wish I had used more, uh, practiced more spiritual discipline in my life. And listen, it's important that we understand that this has nothing to do with earning salvation. Salvation is a free gift of grace from God. But in this race, We should be continually changing, being transformed, growing, being renewed. And we can only do that when we engage in the race in such a way that we have our eye on the eternal prize and we're running, we're fighting to win. Earlier, I asked you to identify uh, maybe a couple of your greatest regrets in life. I want you to pull those back to your memory right now. And I want to ask you some questions. The first is, what are the regrets that you might be living with? What do you want most? And is what you want most, can you say, and I believe that that's what Christ wants most for me. As you consider your regrets, as you consider what you want most, as you can ask the question, is it what Christ wants for me? Can you identify any course corrections that you need to make? Have you had a plan, but you were tempted to abandon the plan and you did? So you've been stunted in your spiritual growth. This is what, when we talk about discipline, it's so important that we don't understand it, but we just want to have a heart that's so great for God that we would do whatever it takes. That we would say yes when we're supposed to say yes, and we would say no when we're supposed to say no. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray for you.
God, I, I, I could say without a doubt that every one of us in, uh, in this room have some regret in life, something that we wish would have went differently. And God, we can't go back in most cases and undo that. So we ask today that rather than carrying that as a burden that weighs us down and keeps us from running this race well, we, 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 today we want to transfer that burden to you. Help us to, to forget the past. We ask for your forgiveness. And Father God, in those times where there are things that can, still can be reversed, we ask that you would give us wisdom and discernment and, and power to make amends where amends need to be made. But Father God, I think the thing that I want to pray most today is that we as a people would so desire to be like you that we would continually be asking you, what do you want most for me? And then we would be willing to say, I surrender all. I surrender all. I want what you want for me. Even if that's something that's very challenging and requires great discipline on my heart, on my part, I pray that you empower me because I can't do it on my own. I pray that for all of us today. Do that work in us right now. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. A couple months ago, I made a commitment and I'm going to honor that commitment. Is there anyone here today and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ? You've never said, Jesus, uh, I recognize that my sin has separated me from you, from God. And um, I've been trying to work this out on my own. And today, my biggest regret is that I've never said yes to you. I've, I've never tried to find out what you want most. I've never asked you to be my Savior. If that's true of you today, that can change. And we want to help you walk into what it means to be a new creation in Christ. So let me just ask, is there anybody here today and you've said, you, you would say, I've never said yes to Jesus. I've never asked him to be my Savior. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand and let your eyes catch my eye? Is there anyone here today? Anyone at all? Father, again today, I thank you because you have brought together a people, group of people who know you and love you and who worship you and who desire to know what you want most for us as Christ followers. Thank you. Father, also I pray that as we leave this place today, we are aware that we will encounter men and women and students and children who do not know you. And I pray that we would be the gospel to them. I pray that as they see us, they would see you. And if necessary, we would use words. And Father God, I pray by the same token that you would also draw men and women and students and children to this place who don't know you so that we can proclaim the gospel to them and bring, see them come into the kingdom. We believe that this is going to happen. We anticipate it's happening and we thank you in advance. Father God, thank you for your word today and thank you for the people who are here. We declare our love for you and I pray blessings over everyone as they go today and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.